Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I am proud to announce that Food Pharmacy, one of the biggest health brands in Sweden, is now launching its highly acclaimed blog as well as books and podcasts in English. Food Pharmacy is eager to take its award-winning Scandinavian concept and share it with the rest of the world and to contribute to the fight against the global burden of lifestyle-related diseases. In 2014, Lina Nertby and Mia Klasa started Food Pharmacy, embarking on a long, sometimes meandering, often magical journey towards their goal of improving public health. Along the way, they've spoken with a variety of experts and professionals in various fields related to health and lifestyle. In this podcast series, you'll meet a few of them. Be a part of the journey. This is The Food Pharmacy Show. Welcome back to the Food Pharmacy Show, Mia. Thank you, Lena. Today we will talk about functional medicine and autoimmune diseases. But what is then an autoimmune disease? Well, Lena, thank you for asking. It's now my pleasure to answer that question. An autoimmune disease is a condition in which your immune system mistakenly attacks your own body. Autoimmune disorders in general cannot be cured but the condition can often be controlled. Yes, and historically, treatment include anti-inflammatory drugs, and this is to reduce inflammation and pain. But more and more people nowadays actually get help from the field of functional medicine. Today, we meet with Dr. Miguel Damas, family physician and specialist in functional medicine. Dr. Damas is unique in being one of the world's only second-generation functional medicine doctors. Yes, because he was raised by his mother, Dr. Cristina Sales, and she's called the godmother of functional medicine in Portugal. So Dr. Damas early on developed an interest in healing through functional medicine. Dr. Damas is passionate about physical and mental performance and strongly believes that our body should never limit us in what we can achieve in life. Dr. Damas monitors patients from more than 40 countries with a particular focus on autoimmunity, migraines, stress management and performance optimization. Dr. Damas works according to a system called the Coimbra Protocol. Cicero Coimbra, a neurologist and professor at the Federal University of Sao Paulo, has over the past two decades created a clinical protocol to treat autoimmune diseases with the re-establishment of adequate system levels of vitamin D. 
How interesting. Indeed, it is. It is important to mention that this approach relies on doses of vitamin D that range from 40,000 to 300,000 international units per day. And therefore, this is a medical treatment that must always be carried out under the supervision of a qualified doctor. According to Dr. Damas, not all people with an autoimmune condition can be helped by this protocol though. But then it is also important to say that this holds true for most existing treatments, Lina. Exactly. And Dr. Damas further claims that even though it doesn't help everyone, it actually helps almost everyone. Mm. A few years ago, Dr. Damas was contacted by a patient who suffered from MS. This patient wanted to do a documentary about how she tried to fight her MS with the Coimbra protocol. Last year, the documentary appeared in the international documentary category of the film festival in Amsterdam. And this year it actually won two awards in the Parisiens International Science Film 2020, including Grand Prix à Ville de Paris. Wow. By now, I guess all of you understand how honored we are to welcome Dr. Miguel Damas to the Food Pharmacy Show. Welcome! Dr. Miguel Damas, I would like to welcome you to the Food Pharmacy Show. I'm so honored to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So you're actually born into functional medicine. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a doctor and functional medicine doctor? Yes. Um, so I usually say that I'm in this field through no um, no guilt of my own. Uh, usually people that come into this field, they usually have some health issue that they had to overcome. And because of some event or some uh, experience with the more conventional treatments, they were not able to have the results they were looking for. So they migrate into functional medicine and then they start developing their practice in that way. Myself, I, I mean, I was literally born into this field. My mother, Christina Salves, she was uh, the founder of functional medicine in Portugal and in some way in, in Europe. The clinic opened in 98. But actually, the first course that my mom did in anything other than conventional medicine, she was pregnant of me. So even if I mm. didn't want to, to be in this field, I was, I, I was like nurtured from a very early stage. Um, and then uh, I, I grew up knowing that Diets and nutrition was a big part of uh, our our health. I grew up listening to some clinical cases that my mom would discuss at our dinner, dinner table um, and the incredible results that she was having. So from a very early age, I, I knew that some conditions could get better. Then when I decided to go to med school, my mom, uh, my mom told me, told me um, do not try to mix 
the two fields because it will be very very hard for you to be able to handle the different approaches. So stick with conventional medicine right now, and then when you graduate, then we will discuss. And it was very easy for me to understand why she would say that, because I was listening and I was studying that some conditions would have certain treatments that would mitigate and reduce and manage uh, symptoms. When I knew from my mother's experience that if we had another approach, the results could be better. So I graduated and uh, then I, I started my residency in, in family, uh, family medicine. And then it was, uh, unfortunately, my mother died in 2014. So in 2015, um, I became the clinical director of the, of the clinic. And I was fortunate enough to be able to continue her, her work and keep the, the clinic open and keep helping people in the different chronic conditions. In this field that we now call functional medicine, which is basically um, looking for the reason why people are sick in taking care of the reason, removing it as much as possible, and helping the body to recover the best way possible. So that is basically the definition that I use for functional medicine. Um, okay. And it was, that's why I'm, I, we usually say that I'm one of the very few second generation functional medicine doctors uh, in the world. So congratulations. I, oh, thank you. <laughs> so, but I mean, would you say that that is the biggest difference between a conventional doctor and a functional medicine doctor, that a functional medicine doctor is going to the root of the problem and trying to solve that? Yeah, I would say that. I would say that uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, conventional medicine stops at the diagnosis in a way that for each diagnosis, that's a certain a treatment that's a, a, a road forward, a path forward with different branches, but as a path forward in functional medicine, everything starts with the, the diagnosis. When we have the diagnosis, then we look for the root causes of that diagnosis, which are within systems in our body may be um, unbalanced, may need uh, to be recovered. Maybe the guts, maybe hormones, maybe stress, maybe whatever, as a toxification, mold, whatever. There's plenty of things that can cause. So uh, it is also that difference in terms of where do you start and where do you stop. Functional medicine, we start with diagnosis. In conventional medicine, after the diagnosis is set, then the path forward is pretty straightforward and without that much variation. Mm. Okay, so in your clinic, do you combine conventional medicine or do you only work with functional medicine? Well, I, I usually say that we use medicine mm. and uh, we bring, we use the tools that we need in each patient. Some patients need conventional medicine treatments, I would say. Uh, some people need antibiotics. Some people may need um, anti-diabetic drugs. Maybe some people may need thyroid hormone, even if it is for a short period of time to help balance. We don't exclude any tool because of their origin, what science is behind them. We, the same way we use those conventional medicine tools, or those pharmaceutical drugs, we use nutrition plans, we use supplementation, we use lifestyle advices, we, we use uh, gadgets. I mean, there's, we use everything that has very solid science behind it that we know that will improve 
the health of our uh, of our patients. Mm. Okay, so in your clinic, what kind of problems are most common that people come to you for? Well, um, usually it falls under four uh, groups. It's uh, people with recurrent infections or inflammations like kids with tonsillitis, orthitis, asthma, or cystitis, uh, around that. We have a pretty good group of people with migraines, people that come for performance and prevention, and people that come for autoimmunity. So mm-hmm. these would be the four groups, and among them we have probably come for 90% of the patients that that uh, look for, for us, especially the last one. The last one has a big impact uh, in terms of percentage of our of our patients. We have people from, I would say, uh, more than 40 different countries with us being, wow. because of, of their autoimmunity, and it goes from multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, psoriasis, vitiligo, alopecia, uh, thyroiditis. Well, it's pretty, pretty diverse. Mm. So is it common that these people have uh, had this symptom for a long time and try to get help, but uh, haven't been able to uh, to solve their problems? It is, it is one... one um, one pool of those patients, they did, they do come to us after um, running out of options. And I, I do listen very frequently in our first appointment, people saying, well, doc, this is my last hope. If you don't, if you are not able to treat me, then I'll, I'll just give up and accept that I have to live with this condition. Then another set of people are the ones that, uh, for any reason, they they feel they, they look forward and they actively search online for these more uh, personalized and uh, more root caused approach in treating the individual, not uh, the symptoms uh, per se, not the diagnosis. And so, not only people that come that went through the full journey on conventional medicine. jumping from one doctor to the other and and so forth, but people that come to us at the earlier stage because they feel more um, empowered, they feel that this is the right way forward. Mm. Okay, so I've read that you only take patients that really want to be treated. That's right. When I read this, I was a bit surprised because I was thinking, don't all patients want to get treated? This is... A tricky subject. I, I first knew this when I worked in conventional, in the, in the primary care, um, in the, the Portuguese uh, health system. And I noticed, and if you talk with any medical doctor in any fields, they will tell you that there are patients that they just don't want to get better. And it's hard to understand why from perspective of a people that want to, to, to be as healthy as, healthy as possible. But when you are sick, when you have a disease, you have secondary gains. It's very hard to understand. But for instance, if you, maybe your husband or your wife will treat you a little bit better because you have a disease. Maybe in your work, your colleagues will get you some slack because you are you have a disease, and if you lose that disease, you will lose all these benefits. You will lose almost your identity, it sounds like, in a way. Yes, yes, exactly. So it is very scary. And, and this is, most of the times, 
it is an in, uh, irrational behavior. Even though I've heard in, in, in my appointments people saying, if I, if I have to give up on these, I prefer to be uh, sick. Mm. If I have to give up on the cheese or if I have to give, give up on, on bread, even if it is for four, six, eight weeks, I just, I, I, I just cannot live without them. So I prefer to, 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 be, to be sick. So yeah, we, that is one reason why we make sure that through different uh, strategies, we make sure that our patients are actively engaged with the treatment. Because, I mean, being very honest, it's their health. Therefore, I'm just, a, I, I, in a way, I'm just a coach. I'm just a teacher. I'm just someone, I'm, I'm a co-pilot. Uh, telling people, patients, I think you have this. I think the, move, the, the path forward is this. I will be by your side, but you have to to walk it. You have to to to. It's yourself that you have to to make the journey. So if I don't have patients that are willing to do that, if they are just waiting for someone miraculously uh, to treat their condition for them, not only it will not help. I will not be able to help them. It will prevent people that really want to get better to have access to our our clinic. So we try to get rid of those that are people that are fundamentally ill Mm. versus people that are healthy but have a disease. And that is a massive, massive, massive uh, difference. And you, you, you can see this difference in any field. Einstein, I think it was Einstein that said, that at the moment you have to decide whether the world is against you or the world is for you. It's working for you or working against you. And in, 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 the medic, in healthcare, it is if you are ill, you are ill or you are healthy but have a disease. And if you are healthy and you have a disease, you'll do whatever it takes to keep your health and, and, and regain your health and you are not afraid of taking control of your life. So mm. that in, in terms of the, 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 even the future success of the treatment, it is a fundamental difference. And we make sure uh, as much as possible that we just have people that do want to get better. Mm. When I started my journey within the health field, so to say, I learned that inflammation is the mother of most of the chronic diseases. Would you agree to that? Yes, Pretty much, yes. Yeah. And why do we get inflammation shortly? Well, <laughs> shortly. Um, <laughs> we get inflammation because we have a, a continuous attack on ourselves. So basic inflammation is our ability to defend ourselves. And just think about armies and our um, security services in, in, in any country. What is supposed to happen is we have them on hold, on standby, relaxed, but ready to attack. When we have a threat, they, we design the, the best response to it. We deploy it and we get rid of that threat and everything goes back to normal. That is how our uh, army is supposed to happen. And that has the, more, uh, the highest level of e- e- efficacy, efficiency, and the, the least amount of side effects mm. when so that is a hundred percent two hundred percent healthy that is what's supposed to happen the problem is not with inflammation is with chronic inflammation is when our system 
our immune system is permanently activated. And in going back to our army, it we don't have this we don't have these triggered and targeted responses. We start having kind of a ongoing war. And mm -hmm. as we all know, when we have an ongoing war, not only our ability to be effective in getting rid of threats is reduced, but also the chances of getting side effects are much higher. And sometimes the side effects can create more problems than the threat itself. So we have to think that this is this low-grade low chronic systemic inflammation that is linked with most uh, maybe all, but most uh, chronic diseases or lifestyle diseases or diseases that, that uh, are, 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 are crippling some of our populations. So we have to think what is triggering that reaction, what is triggering, triggering that responses, and we have to remove it. So mm. as concept, it's all, all threats all attacks that are existing to ours are ongoing in our body. Uh, we have stress, mm -hmm. it is a threat, but then we have toxics, toxins that create some reaction in our body, and we have infections, and we have inflammatory or immunological triggers which may not be infections nor toxins. So in, this chronic inflammation happens when we start, get, we, we are triggered against a lot of different things that increases the baseline activity of our inflammation, immunological system that turns it less efficient, more prone to side effects, more prone to auto attacks, more prone to or more unreliable uh, uh, in de depends on the, 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 the specific situation that there are different. But that is the basic concept. It is the uh, ongoing attack in our system. So a big part of the people coming to, uh, to you on a daily basis is uh, having autoimmune disease. Exactly. Yeah? And what is that? Well, an autoimmune disease is a disease in which our immune system attacks our own body. That's the simplest explanation possible. Um, it is they start recognizing certain proteins, certain uh, uh, receptors, certain molecules, certain neurotransmitters um, as foreign, as a threat, and they start attacking them. Mm. So is the number of people being diagnosed with autoimmune diseases rising? It seems like that, yes. It seems yeah. like that. Yeah. And what would you say is the main reason? Do we know well, that? Uh, I wish I could tell you yes. There's mm -hmm. a very it's a very simple explanation, but I'm afraid, to my knowledge, it, that we cannot find a specific inf uh, information. It comes down to, I would say, three, uh, three main reasons. One is the highly 
inflammatory and immunologically um, challenging environment that we live in. And we, we, are not, we are not recording this in the middle of the, the, the pandemic. So just thinking about how stressful is the environment that we are now living in. We should be pretty much on lockdown. We should uh, not be contacting with other people. We should be eating what we can, the healthiest possible, but we have to, to adapt. So in the big picture, the way we live is immunological challenging. And that can lead to immunological malfunction that can result in autoimmune conditions. Secondly, I would say we have, uh, there is a genetical, a genetical uh, background of it. It's, it's, some people have gene, what we call SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms, that may increase the risk for developing an autoimmune condition. And third, we can come down to uh, sun exposure in a way, because it's quite interesting. Up, up until this was more, 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 more clear up until two, three decades ago. But the higher or the, the, the further away we are from the equator, the higher the chances of getting an autoimmune condition. I read that, and I was like, since I live in Stockholm, which is quite uh -huh. far away. Yeah. I was um, I was going to ask you if that is really true, but it is then. No, it is. It is. Mm. If you if you Google the or the official, and it's the clearest is in MS, multiple sclerosis. If you go mm. for the numbers of MS in the world, you can see clear, especially until still uh, to, to beginning of two thousands, that the further you are from the equator, the higher the levels of autoimmunity and. It came down to sun exposure, and mm. it was discovered around the fifties, last uh, of fifties uh, of last century, and it was then discovered that it was the vitamin D that is produced by the sun, that or the lack of vitamin D produced by the sun that was the the link between the sun and autoimmunity, not the light per se, not the heat, but production of vitamin D. So now the, the data is less clear because let's be honest we all moved indoors and even if we, i live in in portugal and uh, at least two-thirds of the population have low levels of vitamin d even two-third of the portuguese people yeah so oh. it's quite it may surprise that's uh, i mean in brazil it's 50 percent and if you go and it, the most extreme would be in the middle east Mm. We are looking at, a, a, a nine, I think it's around 90%. And the, the explanation is quite, is quite simple and obvious. Because you need to have the sun contacting your skin, you have to have skin exposure to the sun to produce vitamin D. Yeah, you if need you, to take your clothes off, basically. Exactly. Or you have yeah. to leave, you have to be outside. And even if you have a single sheet of glass in your windows, not the, 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 the fancy modern ones, even a single sheet will prevent from um, producing vitamin D. If you put any sunscreen, you will not produce vitamin D. So therefore, it's quite easy to understand the numbers. We live indoors, we work indoors, we don't spend that much time exercising or walking around or whatever outside. We were told uh, 
that would be another discussion, but we were told that we had to use sunscreen. Um, so the production of vitamin D is, is pretty much no nowadays. And we see in the clinic um, massively low, I mean, incredibly low levels of vitamin D in some patients. We are talking, uh, if, we, if we take in, into consideration the normal uh, range between 30 and 100 nanograms per milliliter, we see patients with three, four, five, seven. Oh, God. Which, and it is extreme, extremely mm. low. So that is the link between the equator and, uh, and actually, uh, one fun fact uh, is the link was established after a group of refugees from a, a sub-Saharan country, I don't know exactly which, they, the refugees took, uh, started living in, in, I think it's Sweden, and mm-hmm. six months after they started developing diseases, ultimate diseases, that they, were, they had no record in their home country. So that's because the what, lack uh, of sun exposure. Because the lack of, lack of sun exposure. Quite mm-hmm. interesting, from the northern countries, Sweden is the, the country that has the highest levels of, of vitamin D. And I think it comes to some fortification law that uh, exists in Sweden. I don't know exactly. So we give children up to uh, two years old, we give them uh, vitamin D. But uh, would you recommend anyone, even though they're not having an autoimmune disease, to yeah, uh, have supplements? Yeah, yeah definitely. What, uh, what the European Food Safety Authority said in, back in 2012 was that any adult, especially weighting with a weight more higher than 50 kilos, could mm-hmm. safely take 10,000 units, international units of vitamin D per day without any need to concern on any side effects. So that's, that's the staple that I, I, I can uh, I prescribe, and that's what I can uh, advise people to take, even though they don't, uh, no matter what their condition is. Um, and since vitamin D has a massive, massive, massive effect, I mean, it's called vitamin, but it's actually an hormone. And it was called vitamin D because when it was discovered, it was the fourth um, vital element. And we already had A, B, and C. Um, mm-hmm. But it is an hormone. And it works by making sure that genetical transcription in up to 20% of all DNA is correctly transcribed. So we are talking about in every cell, mm. up to 20% of all DNA to be correctly mm. read and transcribed and put into practice, we need vitamin D, mm. activated vitamin D. So we can see the, 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 the impact that it can have is massive. So I, as everyone should have optimum levels of vitamin D in the blood, no matter what their condition. Then people with autoimmune condition they need much higher levels of, of vitamin D to, for it to be effective. Mm. So you treat them then with high doses of vitamin D? I do, I do. Yeah. Can I, it be I, dangerous? Yes, it can be serious, seriously dangerous. And actually it can be catastrophic. But uh, there is a very big distinction uh, or a big, very big difference between this uh, treatment, which call, it's called the Quimber protocol. Um, and we can go, uh, I can explain you a little bit more on that. But mm-hmm. the uh, 
the chances of getting a side effect, a serious side effect in the Korea protocol are directly related to your willingness to have them. What do I mean by this? In the most conventional treatments, especially in, in, the, in autoimmunity um, environments, you have an X percentage or chance of having any side effect. Some drugs, some treatments have higher, uh, a higher percentage of side effects, others have lower. But there's very little you can do to prevent it from happening. In mm. the Quimmer protocol, you can prevent it 100% of the time. Because the mm. thing is, there is no data, there is no paper, there's never been shown that vitamin D by itself can create a problem. However, when you have high dosages of vitamin D in, a, in your blood, the, you increase massively the absorption of calcium mm. from your diet. Uh, it, just imagine that the doors in the intestine to, to the calcium to enter, they are wide open and we can maximize the absorption. However, the door in the kidneys for the calcium to, to exit our body cannot cope with that demand. They cannot expand. So therefore, we can have a, a, a condition that's called hypercalcemia, which basically means high calcium in the blood. That can lead to nephrocalcinosis, which means calcification in the kidneys, and then uh, another calcification in your heart, vessels, brain. Well, it's a mess. However, it is the calcium that is causing mm. it, not the vitamin D. Obviously, the calcium is coming in because of vitamin D. That's right. But if we can control the calcium that's coming in, we can have the vitamin D that we need to have the biological effects that are so incredibly good in these patients without risking any side effect. And it's quite easy to control the calcium. You just have to adopt a lower calcium diet, basically removing uh, dairy, nuts and seeds, and green vegetable juices. And some patients we need to get rid of all the green vegetables because all of them have a lot of calcium. And then you have to increase your hydration because it will reduce the calcium um, concentration in the kidneys. And let's say like that, it will clean um, the kidneys and prevent it from happening. With these two things, the chances of having a serious side effect are close to zero. In mm -hmm. our practice, you have more than 500 patients under active management uh, with this Coimbra uh, protocol. And the the side effect, the cases of side effects, um, we have is around four. Oh. So, uh, and so compared, it's yeah. it's really low. Yeah, and all mm. of those patients, uh, um, most of those, um, none of those patients had serious serious problems. They all recovered completely, and were most of them were able to resume the treatment. But most of them, other than one, most of them uh, had ho had those um, effects because they were eating too much calcium without knowing because mm. they are just for you to get an idea. The calcium content in, in the water is massively different uh, within the same country. For instance, uh, in the UK, you can have a very low calcium water, right? Around nine milligrams per liter, or you can have calcium in the water in 120 or more milligrams per liter. And this will make a difference 
in the, the amount of calcium that you eat. And if you live in one place and move to the other and you don't, you don't pay attention to this, it can increase massively the amount of calcium that you're ingesting, therefore the, the risk of, of having a side effect. So mm. it is dangerous. It is potentially catastrophic, but it is completely manageable and preventable if you follow the direction. That's why it is critical to do this treatment with a, by yourself. Yeah, but no, mm. by myself or by other queer uh, protocol doctors that exist around the world. Mm. So, um, vitamin D deficiency in childhood could that be linked to uh, adult diseases? It seems like that. Uh, the epidemiological data seems uh, to show a, a, a link between it, but I, on, I don't think it is that much important in terms of autoimmunity. It is massively important in, in terms of developing the immune system, in terms of uh, development, development of child as a whole, but in terms of autoimmunity, from our experience, people that have autoimmunity, it comes down to two things, two, three things together, especially uh, two things together. One, either you have a very low autoimmune, uh, very low dose of vitamin D, but you have to have genetical resistance to the biological effects of vitamin D and emotional stress. More than 95% of our patients tell us that the disease was triggered by one or uh, one event, even if it is a very happy event, like a wedding, like the, the birth of the, the, the first child. Mm. It's still very emotionally stressful um, or a chronic stress like a bad uh, working environment, a bad relationship. So those two combined are usually the, the, the source of all, all evil and why the, vitamin, the, the autoimmunity is strict, at least according to our experience. That is uh, quite uh, sad because I met with uh, a doctor from Britain, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and he said that um, 80% of the people who came to his uh, practice, their problem was actually stress. So So why don't we, yeah? You just do the math. And that that is probably one of the reasons why autoimmunity is increasing, is the, Mm. the sheer volume of stress that you have to endure on a daily basis, uh, especially if we don't pay active daily um, attention to it. If you, mm. if you just go with the flow and you, don't, you are not mindful in your stress levels in what you can do to, to reduce them and to, to live in a more healthy way and more um, mental mentally healthy um, way your stress levels are pretty much through the roof every mm. single day um, and and i'm not surprised at all that 80 uh, percent of dr chatterjee's patients um, go to his practice because of stress or stress related conditions mm. i would say in hours pretty much pretty much as well uh, if we think that autoimmunity is a stress-related um, condition.
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That makes me think of to prevent diseases, a good way would be to help teach children already how to manage stress. Definitely. Because Definitely. stress will be in our lives no matter we like it or not. Yeah, and it's we usually listen to people talking about removing stress from life. And it is usually more stressful to yeah. actively try to remove stress than just to live with the stress that you have. Because mm. you, you have now the stress that you are having and the stress that you are putting yourself into to stop the stress. Uh, exactly. Is... I've thought about that because it's like uh, my uh, grandmother or someone told me, you, you have to stop stressing. And I was like, yeah. but how, how do I do that? <laughs> yeah. And what we usually tell our patients is to, to start by asking a, a very simple question is, can I change it or not? If I cannot change it, why bother? Mm. I mean, it is easier said than done, obviously. But if you cannot, and it's, there are very good books around this, but if you cannot change the outcome of a situation, why are you stressing about it? Mm. And some people understand it. And some, we also recommend people from, from uh, to, to write as much as they can on a physical notebook, but also uh, more sensitive topics. I advise my patients to write it on a, a single sheet of paper and then to burn it. Mm. Because most people need to unload. Mm. And we cannot either depend on other people to unload, either our wife or husband, a friend, a, psych, uh, a healthcare uh, professional. And if we depend on others, um, we, we kind of lose the control of the situation. We cannot do it as we need or as we want. But more important, we also need to, to trust 100% in the, patient, in the person that uh, is listening to us. Otherwise, mm. you will not feel safe enough to share some things that maybe what you need to, to, to talk about. And by doing, by doing it in a piece of paper and then burning it, you can unload, you can use the exact words that your mind is using, no, no matter what they are. You can process, it, it can, it's a way of rationalizing, it's a way of processing some nasty thoughts that you might be having, mm. but you need to do it 
in a safe way, saying, well, why don't I jump off a bridge? I'm stupid. I don't want to jump off a bridge. But why am I thinking about this? And if you do this, this chain of thoughts, if you talk with yourself through a piece of paper openly, with no strings attached, knowing that no one will read, not even yourself, uh, no one will read it, then it's empowering. People feel less stressed, feel, feel more in control of themselves and then uh, with the, the, the environment surrounding them. And it is quite effective in some patients with autoimmune conditions because they start understanding what they can control about their well-being or not, mm. even apart from the disease. What is only in regards to the disease, because most of these patients, once they have the diagnosis, once they have the label, everything they have is related to that label. Mm. And it, it starts getting ingrained in their thoughts. For instance, a patient with multiple sclerosis, if they are walking up a stair and they tip on a, on a, on a, on a step and they fall, they, are mm. not, they don't think, oh, God damn, I'm, I made a full, my, full, of, my, full, of, my, uh, full of myself. They start thinking, well, maybe it's a relapse. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm getting worse. Mm. And they go to their doctor, they go to myself. Or, and if you are not actively looking for whether or not it makes sense, it is worsening in your clinical situation, or it is just a, an, something that happens, then mm. you start building up, building up. And it's way, way too much pressure for anyone to, to, to handle and to think, well, maybe I, maybe I, I slept with my arm in a, in a strange position and I wake, woke up with my hand numb. Mm. And your first reaction is not, ah, I have to, to re, uh, reestablish my blood flow. I think mm. I have a relapse. And it's, it, it, it takes a big toll. And it's a, a very big part of why patients get worse. Is this you mean their own thoughts? Yes, they, they, they're, yeah. they're the burden that they build for themselves unknowingly. Mm. But this burden, this and then it's quite rare that you go, especially when you have an autoimmune condition, and especially in MS, in multiple sclerosis, when you go to your either your GP, your neurologist, you discuss how much better you are. Mm. The discussion is usually around hmm, you're not much worse this time, or you are much worse this time. And what I, I figure through through this treatment. Sorry that, for interrupting, but what you mean is instead of using the word worse, you use the word better when yes. in terms of yeah. Yes. Oh, so, so use it's, the positive it's the, word. Yeah, it's the spin. Mm. And I mean, I get it. I did the, all the conventional medical training, uh, and mm -hmm. I understand that some conditions are not supposed to get better. I do understand mm -hmm. that, and and I'm not blaming anyone for 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 assuming that it, it's the normal that is what we are teached in, in medical school. But what I, I, I realized from doing this treatment for uh, more than five years now, I, I think I'm the second oldest um, doctor in, in Europe or outside South America doing these treatments, is that in our follow-up appointments, the technical part of the treatment, seeing if the blood results are okay, if the condition is, uh, is okay, is the, it takes me 5% of the time 10% at most. And most of the time we are either discussing how much better the patients are, mm. or I'm doing a coaching session. 
And I'm trying to help people understand what they can achieve, understand their uh, setting those, their, their goals, uh, looking back, because it's quite funny. Some people don't realize how much better they, they are. Mm. And uh, I, it's a daily uh, occurrence. I have to go to look into my data and I usually ask patients, so how are you feeling? And they usually say, hmm, I'm not worse, but I don't think I'm that better either. And I start asking some questions. So how much, how much can you walk now? Uh, how, how are these symptoms? Do you still have it? Do you still have it? And w- with one patient once, he c- w- in the previous appointment, he could not stand, uh, she could barely stand more than 30 seconds um, up, up on, their, on, the, on her feet. Mm. And after six months, she could stand on one feet for one minute. And she didn't realize it. So only when I said, well, you're saying that you're not better nor worse, but comparing to last appointment, you told me that you could, could just do this. Oh, that's right. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm getting better, mm. which is also very interesting. So it's a lot of this mental work with these autoimmune patients, a more, much more, much, it's a, much bigger approach than just the technical aspect of autoimmunity, TH17, uh, all these uh, medical things. And that's why also it makes it so, uh, I would say, even fun most of the times when patients get better because most patients get better. I can imagine it must be such a, I mean, nice feeling for you to help yeah. people. Yes, this treatment, uh, the, the work of amazing Professor Quimbra uh, brought, allowed me to be the doctor that I went to medical school to be, which mm. is the one that makes people better. More, mm. I would say more better, not less worse. Yeah. Let's, let's say like that. And I, one, the, 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 the biggest shock that I ever had was with a patient from the UK, and we were doing a follow-up appointment online. And I had, uh, we were on, on Skype and I had the file in front of me and uh, saying, well, uh, how are you doing today? Well, doc, do you know about the Peaks District here in the UK? And I knew vaguely that it was like an area with mountains and trails and people went hiking there. Yes, more or less. Why? Well, two weeks, she, this was her two-year appointment. Um, last uh, last. Two weeks ago, I went with my, my mates to, to the Peaks District and I could hike as much as them. We hiked 20 kilometers and I was scrolling through my files and I said, sorry, I have written here that last year you could walk 200 meters. Yes, that's me. So what's your name again? She said her name. Is this you? Yes, doctor, that's me. And I was so shocked how she could, she had an MS for, I think, four years. She used to be in the UK Army, British Army. And I was so, well, it, obviously it made not my day, but my year to Yeah, to, I understand. <laughs> to, it must to, be to wonderful. Yeah. And that even for me, that is a, get, knowing people that are getting better, this is a very extreme case, so don't get me wrong, but knowing mm. that people are getting better is a daily occurrence in my practice mm. but even these cases i mean they 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 they, they, they touch a nerve and it's 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 
it makes it worth it, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I fully understand. I would like to ask you a little bit about the importance of the gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to prevent developing uh, inflammatory condition or autoimmune diseases, mm-hmm. you should improve your gut health and microbiome, would you say? Yeah, definitely. To 100 percent, a thousand percent. So why is the gut so vital in uh, keeping healthy? Well, oh, another big question. So um, <laughs> in terms of, so let's, bring everything together that we talk we started in the beginning we said that inflammation is so crucial in terms of health Mm -hmm. so inflammation is one activity let's say like that of the immune system Mm -hmm. now by definition the place in our body that we might have the biggest amount of immune cells in a normal circumstance by definition would have something to do with this inflammation right Because, Mm. I mean, it makes sense. And if we think that in the gut, we have 70%, at least 70% of all immune cells in our body, Mm. we understand that if we want to prevent not chronic, not only chronic health, uh, chronic diseases, but aging, uh, that was a term that was coined three, four years ago, which is inflammation, because Mm. it, it is, it, it is clearly a direct connection between this chronic low-grade inflammation and um, aging, aging, aging yeah. cell aging and systems aging phenomena. Um, we have to have our gut figured out. Mm. Otherwise, you just cannot have a healthy system if your gut is not working properly. And what does it mean having your gut uh, working properly? It means all the three sub-layers of the gut being as uh, the best shape possible. And the three uh, sub-layers are the microbiome or microbiota, the mucosa, the cells themselves, the integrity of the, the, this, line, uh, this single line of, of cells, and the immune system, what is called the gut, the gut-associated lymphoid tissue. The combination of these three working perfectly is the, f- is the basis of health, uh, not disease, but health. Mm. Um, we need to have them because, for instance, if you think about the microbiome, if we think the ratio between bacteria in our body and bacteria or foreigners in our body, bacteria, fungi, um, all those, all, all this um, community, the ratio between them and our immune cells is 10 to 1. We have 10 foreigners, 10 bugs, let's say like that, to, for each immunologic uh, for its human cell Mm. and especially in the gut this has a massive 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 impact because they are responsible to to uh, responsible for defense um activities they Mm. are responsible for what we call biotransformation which is picking some things and transforming it in others that are more useful to us they also obviously they do some around digestion um, but they also do some they have a very serious epigenetic effect and what is an epigenetic effect obviously these will not they will not change our genes but the the shift in the environment and the signals that they can produce that we internalize and that we can read either locally or 
systemically, they will change the way we read our genes and which genes we have more active and what genes we have less active. So, like epigenetics, it, it's a yeah, part of exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Epigenetics. So, if we have a very good, balanced, healthy microbiome, we will target and we will activate the, some genes. But if you shift and we have a dysbiosis, so it shift a bad change in our uh, microbiome, if you have some infection, if we have, for instance, in terms of symptoms, people have bloating, they have diarrhea or they have constipation, they have uh, abdominal dilation, if they have loose stools, if they have uh, all things mixed up, mm. um, the, it, the, those are clear signs of microbiome, uh, possible microbiome changes or dysbiosis, this can shift our environment. They have this epi epigenetic effect that we can activate more pro-inflammation genes and that will mm -hmm. increase this inflammation that we've been talking about and that can have a, a direct impact in not only our gut health, but our lungs, our joints, our skin, our brain. Um, mm -hmm. So that is why it is so, so crucial in microbiome. And the same with the integrity of the cells. If we don't have, because in theory, the cells in our mucosa should be so uh, linked between one another that the ability to let molecules, complex molecules, pass in, uh, by them, not through them, but around them, is very limited. It's, we estimated, not we, I mean, it has been estimated that the size of particles that can go through in between the cells is less than 500 Daltons. So basically nothing big passes in between the cells, which means that everything should go through the proper channels. And when the permeability of the cells are increased, meaning molecules, particles, things that are inside the guts can go, can go through, or sorry, can go in between the cells that can enter our system in between the cells, not through the proper channels, they will activate a normal response against a, a, an invader a threat. And then if this happens time and time again, it will chronically activate these uh, inflammatory responses that will lead to the systemic inflammation that can create diseases and aging. Hmm. So, we have to think of the gut as the key for our health in the bigger picture. Mm. And that is why it is so, so important that we pay close attention to it. And then it's quite sad if you see the figures also here, because uh, at least in Sweden, one third of the population is having problems like uh, constipation, diarrhea and yeah. loose stool on a regular basis. And I guess it's more or less the same, uh, the whole part of our world, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Kind of, uh, yes. Uh, the more we move forward, it seems like that, uh, because we are having more and more the same food options, even mm. though it, it, it is, uh, some countries are very different. For instance, in Portugal, we still have a, a very important part of the population eating very traditionally, um, like the Mediterranean style diet, which is universally the healthiest diet 
obviously according to each uh, our own genome that might be not the option but in, in general generally speaking probably it is and in scandinavia there's not the uh, let's say you don't eat the healthiest on uh, as a population Mm. So what I would say is that to that third of populations of Sweden, no matter how good they feel, no matter how good they perform, no matter how uh, good athletes, students, uh, businessmen, employers, fathers, mothers, sons, they are not performing and are not doing as good as they could. If they, because they have that problem with their gut. No matter, you may feel very good, but you're not feeling as good as you could. Then it mm -hmm. comes down to what is your choice? Is you, you either live good or as good as you can? Nothing wrong with either either uh, choice, but uh, but it's impossible to be living as healthy as strong as possible if you have gut issues. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it is quite interesting. It's a very good point because we don't discuss that often with one another, the status of our bowels. Mm. It's not the, 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 the topic that we bring up when we are On talking. On Christmas uh, Eve, no. no. <laughs> so one thing, one thing I ask my patients is, how is your gut doing? How is it working? And most tell me, well, it's normal. And I start asking, what is your normal? And I've received uh, answers as normal being going five times to the toilet or once a week. Because oh. if, if it has been always like this and if you don't recognize it as a problem, how do you know it is not normal? Then if it's you don't normal discuss for it? me. Yeah. It's normal for you. So mm. the normal is one to uh, bowel movements per day on... And it's not a sexist topic, but stools mm. well formed. If you don't have it, you're not as healthy as you can be. And migraines may be related to, to it, or the roots of migraines are, are that skin issues, recurrent infections, uh, brain fog, anxiety, depression. Uh, there's a, a whole of things that can happen. So let's, so let's, uh, Let's take care of our gut. Definitely, that is, definitely. Yeah. So, definitely. and to have more fibers and uh, prebiotic, well, would you say? Without testing, hmm. I would say that you have to have more fibers because in, in general, our population don't eat as much fiber as we need. Uh, hmm. Therefore, fiber and prebiotics, we may need a very good probiotic with a lot of CFUs, from a wide range of, of options, but that's not the, 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 the easiest or the best way forward. The best way is to actually know what you've been lacking. For instance, if you have a constipation, if you go to the toilet once a week and you don't have any other symptoms, clinically, it seems like maybe a problem of low uh, amount of good bacteria. Now, you can either supplement with a broad probiotic and you can, but you can risk in, with that approach, you can risk increasing the imbalance because with a broad probiotic, uh, you can have, for instance, your own stage, you can have a high level of lactobacilli and a low 
level, low numbers of um, yeah. uh, bacteria. If you take a broad probiotic that have a good amount of both, the imbalance will still happen, but just at a higher level. If mm. you test your microbiome, you then know, well, maybe I just need to take these bifidobacteria and I need to, to take care of everything with more fiber and more uh, prebiotics. So that's why testing is very important. And that's the fundamental of functional medicine is not guessing, it's testing. It comes mm. and it goes for the microbiome, it goes for the DNA, knowing how what our uh, roadmap is, what we are programmed to, 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 to do, what weaknesses and strengths do we have, how we need to, to eat and supplement to, to each other. And that's also in terms of autoimmunity. Most people, and by most everyone that we tested, have uh, genetical changes in the vitamin D pathway, especially in the vitamin D receptor that create the resistance, and that's why we need higher levels of vitamin D. So um, in general, we all need to eat more fiber. We all need to eat more colors. We all need to eat, uh, in general, less meat, even though it is up for debate whether or not it is a big, uh, uh, big important aspect. But in general, we need to eat more uh, less meat. Uh, we need to increase our fermentables, either kombucha, shukrut, kimchi, because it, it is a natural source of probiotics and mm. prebiotics as well. Uh, we, I mean, we should eat real food. We, mm. should, we should kind of eat food that doesn't come with, come with a label, or if it comes with a label, we need to know and recognize everything that is written in the label. Mm. And that is, if you follow these rules, the chances of having a healthier and a healthy diet actually are pretty, pretty high. The time is running out, but I have two more questions that I need yes. to uh, ask you. And that is, what can we do ourselves to optimize our immune system on a long-term basis? If you should just choose a few keys, what you can do on an everyday basis, what would oh, that be? I mean, if I would choose, let's call five, five simple steps that everyone can do without needing medical supervision. Mm. Either expose yourself 50-20 minutes to the sun when it is at the highest um, without any sunscreen with a very big amount of skin exposure, or you take 10,000 units of vitamin D per day, you eat spices, colors, and berries on a daily basis. Spices, sorry, what did you say? Spices? So, spices, colors, I mean, mm, vegetables, colors, yeah. mm. vegetables of, with different colors because it will bring mm. uh, different vitamins and nutrients in and berries. Berries play, mm. play, play, play a very interesting role in this. Mm. You have to do some stress management activity, mm. um, especially at night or at the end of the day, that it's not activating. What I mean by this is people that do run at the end of the day they may not know it, but they are probably jeopardizing their sleep, which mm. bring me 
to my fourth point, which is sleep. But in terms of stress management, we are talking journaling, meditation, yoga, um, chatting, uh, laughing, playing, uh, whatever is the, your, your choice. Then sleeping is very, very, very important, very, very important to balance our cortisol uh, curve, to have to balance our, our hormones. This sleeping is when we recover, is when we rebuild, is when we um, get stronger, more healthy. And actually, there's, in, in, there's a very interesting study being published around changes in sleep two days before having an injury in terms of athletes, athletes mm-hmm. which is interesting. And the fifth is exercise. Not very intensive exercise because very intensive, very uh, either... Uh, very um, like CrossFit style or marathon running, a long distance running, long distance exercise can be pro-inflammatory, so it can jeopardize a little bit the immune system. But if you do daily exercise, especially in the morning, uh, either a high-intensity interval training or a light, uh, moderate to light run, you will boost your immune immune system. So these would be the five uh, key aspects that I would. I would suggest in order to stay sane through insanity, uh, which is basically what we need right now. Mm. I like those keys. Uh, so in in these Corona days, we get a lot of questions from people that are looking for a quick fix. They uh-huh. realize they might realize that they belong to a so-called uh, risk group, risk group, yeah, and uh, that uh, they have no time to work on long-term strategy, but they want to do something now. So, is there any short-term strategy or quick fix that would optimize your immune system f- for a flu or virus or whatever? Yeah, it's very important that we understand it, uh, and I, just a few words on it. Let's face it, at this time, to my knowledge, there's no hard data showing that any lifestyle intervention has a direct impact on coronavirus, nor has any drug, pharmaceutical drug for that matter. So we are, we just, the, the, what seems to be the difference between people having a serious disease and, or when uh, they get infected, they can fight off very easily, is the shape of our immune system. Mm. That is where everyone should focus, not in very uh, quick fixes and very easy ways to to boost our immune system. The five that I've told you will work from the the day one that you start implementing it. Oh, so you mean if you start to implement the five keys today, it will help you tomorrow? Yes, it will help you more after tomorrow. It will help you more one week from now. Um, Mm. So that is very important for you to understand, for everyone to understand is we need to have our immune system the best way possible, not Mm. only tomorrow, but for the upcoming weeks and months, because we don't know when this will go away. So if you start working today on your overall health, the chances are it will still make a very good impact in this corona situation. That being said, there are some things that you can do that seem to have an impact on overall immune system. And we say this basically looking into two different ways. Um, one, what boosts immune system? What we know from other uh, circumstances or, uh, or physiological or it's biochemically and physiologically makes sense to improve our immune system. And there are 
very good paper showing that selenium, vitamin C, uh, magnesium, probiotics um, in different ways um, in terms of supplementation, the impact that they have, but also quitting gluten, quitting dairy, it's paramount and that can have an impact if not tomorrow, the day after or the day after. But also if we look into what happened with other infections uh, that happened recently, like the SARS, the MERS, or we look into various infections in general, we might extrapolate some data and we might extrapolate some activities. And for instance, vitamin D has shown to be effective in all of them as a, a link between high levels of vitamin D and lower chances or uh, lower rates of infection in influenza, rotavirus, cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr, uh, and even in SARS. So I would I, say... I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I heard that you said that people who have a high level of vitamin D in their blood rarely do not even, even get the flu in the first place. Most of patients, yes. That's, mm. that, that is data published, I think, two, very interesting data published two, three years ago. That kind of took off in, in I think it, it was then noticed by uh, a, a very big, big news outlet in the UK. Because what vitamin D does is making sure that your immune system work, works the best way possible. It optimizes the different um, immunological responses that we have, the Th1, Th2, then the TH17, which is the autoimmune response, and the T regulatory, which is the maestro of the immunity. And we, when you optimize all this, you kind of make sure that your body has, your body is working the way it's supposed to, when if it needs to fight something, but it's not working in a way that is attacking your own body. That's why vitamin D works very well in autoimmune conditions, but it's not an immune suppressant. Because we are not suppressing the immune system. We are just making sure that it's working the best way possible. So mm -hmm. indeed, there's a very good correlation between high levels of vitamin D and lower uh, infections. And I've seen it not only in, the, in, the, in science published, but in my patients. I, a good percentage of my patients do not have uh, very frequently flus or something. Mm. So I'm so grateful that you took time to uh, to have a chat with us yeah, here. It's, I, I, it's, I, it's fantastic. Thank you so much for, for, for having me. I, I love to do these, these things in, and share as much as possible this, this knowledge and the way we, we work and the way we see uh, health and how we can all be healthy and happier um, much longer. You have listened to the Food Pharmacy Show with Lina Nattby and Mia Klase, joined by special guest Dr. Miguel Damas. The podcast is edited by me, Sebastian Ring, and I've also composed all the music. For more food pharmacy content, visit foodpharmacyco.com and follow us on Instagram, food underscore pharmacy. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.